Hello, Pokemon fans, and welcome to a very special episode of Geeks Crossing. As the title suggests, I'm going to be sharing with all of you my version of Pokemon Journeys. You may have seen or heard episodes like this before, where people share their own fanfiction based on an existing IP. Hell, the Geeks and I did that for Star Wars when we basically fixed the sequel trilogy. Hmm. But now I want to do something that's more my field of expertise, which is Pokemon. For the record, I don't hate Pokemon Journeys. In fact, I liked it a lot, but I'd be lying if I said there were some things I would love to see, which is where this episode comes in. I'll be sharing my thoughts and ideas of how Pokemon Journeys should have went, including story arcs, battles, and character developments. With that said, can a Pokemon geek who's been watching the anime for decades come up with a better concept for Pokemon's 7th anime series? Let's find out. I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and this is my version of Pokemon Journeys. We'll begin by talking about Episode 1 which will pretty much be the same concept. We get to see younger versions of Ash, Go, and Chloe attend Professor Oak's summer camp, except Ash overslept and missed his big day. Meanwhile, Go and Chloe get separated from the group and spot Mew for the first time. And of course, we get to see Pikachu as a Pichu getting adopted by Kangaskong. The only change I will make is the ending. We never found out how Pikachu got caught by Oak, or why he acted very stubborn. So to compensate, here's what I came up with. Because Pichu are very rare in the Kanto region, a couple of Pokemon poachers try to kidnap him, but instead, Kangaskhan or Baby save Pichu, resulting in them getting captured instead. Pichu becomes so upset by this that he evolves into Pikachu, but develops a strong resentment towards humans. We then cut to a couple years later, where Pikachu accidentally gets caught by Professor Oak, who electrocutes him for trapping him in a Pokeball. Nonetheless, Oak decides to keep Pikachu anyway, until it's time for Ash to start his first journey. Hell, you could see this as a reference to Pokemon Yellow, where Oak catches a wild Pikachu outside of Halitown, or, let's go Pikachu if you want to be more modern. Moving on, things will remain the same for the most part. Ash and Pikachu head to Vermilion City to meet Professor Cerise, they meet Go while riding slash battling a wild Lugia, and the two of them decide to help Cerise by becoming his newest research partners. Oh yeah, and Chloe's there too, still not knowing what the hell she wants to do. After completing the first tax and stopping Team Rocket, Professor Cerise rewards them with tickets to the Galar region so they can watch the finals of the Pokemon World Coronation series. Cerise heard about Ash's many accomplishments, including him becoming the Alola region's first champion, so we knew this was something he loved to watch. Even though Go's mostly interested in catching every Pokemon and not so much battling, he's still willing to go. Pun intended, I guess. He also tells them about a strange phenomenon called Dynamax, which can only occur in the Gala region, so any information they can gather while they're there will be very beneficial. During their flight, Ash briefly sees a giant purple tail in the sky. Sound familiar? Just hold tight. I'll explain in a little bit. Anyway, Ash and Go arrive in Galar, but Mr. Train that could take in the wind in, simply because there is a wild score bunny causing mayhem. They also meet Sonya, who too is studying the Dynamax phenomenon. Under the request of her grandma, Professor Magnolia, she agrees to take them to Winden while the same score bunny follows them. The trio then make a detour to the wild area where they encounter a G-Max Snorlax blocking the train tracks, but thanks to help from Score Bunny, they were able to move Snorlax, and Go decides to make Scorbunny his first Pokemon, even though he initially wanted Mew to be his first capture. Anyway, the trio finally make it to Winden and watch the finals, which, like in canon, is between Lance from Kanto's Elite Four and Leon, Galar's champion. There, they learn that Dynamax can also be used in battle, as showing Leon G-Max's Charizard while Lance Dynamax's shiny red Gyarados. As expected, Leon wins the battle and is granted the title of Monarch, 
This gives Ash an idea of what his next goal will be. However, celebrations are cut short when a wild G-Max Dreadnought destroys the stadium, courtesy of Team Rocket and their antics. But while fighting, Pikachu lands on a power spot and becomes Gigantamax Pikachu for the first time. With this new power, Pikachu was able to beat Dreadnought and revert back to normal. Leon is impressed by all this because Ash was able to G-Max a Pokemon without a Dynamax ban. The next day, Ash and Leon have a proper introduction. However, in my version, Leon actually recognizes Ash for being the first champion of Alola, and they agree to have a battle to test each other's power. And just like in the show, Leon gives Ash a Dynamax ban, and the two begin their battle. Unfortunately, Ash and Pikachu get demolished by Leon and Charizard, because they're still learning the ropes of using Dynamax in battle. Still, Leon says that if he wants to battle him again, he should enter the next PWC season, in which Ash agrees. Suddenly, Chairman Rose and his assistant Oleana then show up, revealing that they've been watching everything this whole time, and request Leon's help at once, but not before a brief interaction between him and Ash. And just like Leon, Rose recognized Ash for his latest accomplishment and is looking forward to seeing great things out of him in the PWC. Oh, the damn foreshadowing. From here on out, we now have our two goals. Ash enters the PWC with hopes of battling slash dethroning Leon, and Go wants to capture every Pokemon which will bring him closer to Mew. If it wasn't obvious already, I decided to make certain events happen much earlier. If you ask me, Episode 12 slash 13 seems a bit late for Ash to figure out what his next goal will be. Same thing goes for meeting Sonya and Chairman Rose, which happens much later, mind you. If these events happen sooner, then the Darkest Day arc wouldn't feel as rushed in my opinion. Plus, it really annoyed the fuck out of me that they waited till episode 76 to remind us all that Ash is the first Alola champion. So having that be reminded in the very beginning, as well as having other characters be aware of that, would give him the recognition he deserves. Plus, this will give Leon extra incentive to battle Ash because he's technically a champion as well. Meanwhile, Chloe seems a little envious because Ash and Go know what they want to do while she doesn't. Patience, Chloe. Patience. Anyway, certain events will happen like in canon. Go catches every bug type from Kanto. Him and Ash compete in the Hoenn Battle Frontier Food Cup with Ash winning. Go Scorbunny evolving to an edgy rat boot. And of course, Ash catching the boys, Dragonite and Gengar respectively. This leads to Ash's first PWC battle. In canon, it was against Vizquez. Viscous, or however the fuck you say it, an apprentice to Lieutenant Surge. In my version, his first opponent is Milo, the grass-type gym leader from Gower. Since Gower is where Ash was first exposed to the PWC, I figured his first opponent should be someone from that region. And who better to face off against first than literally the first gym leader in Sword and Shield? Imagine this, Ash and Go return to Gower for research attacks involving Wulu. There, they meet Milo, who just so happens to own a Wulu farm. After blasting off Team Rocket and Go catching a Wulu of his own, Milo reveals to be in the PWC's normal class, and agrees to be Ash's first opponent. The next day, they head to Turfield Stadium where the battle unfolds. It'll be a 2v2 with Ash using Pikachu and Gengar, and Milo will use Blossom and Appleton. The battle starts off between Pikachu and Blossom, even though Blossom isn't exactly the most threatening Pokemon. It does put Pikachu in a tight spot when it kept outspeeding him after using Sunny Day, courtesy of his chlorophyll ability. Fearing the worst, Ash switches out Pikachu for Gengar, who is able to troll Blossom and take it out with a super effective Ice Punch and Psychic. Milo then sends out his ace, Appleton. Despite being slow, Appleton tanked most of Gengar's attacks, then defeats him with a combination of Apple Acid and Dragon Pulse, leaving only Pikachu remaining. Milo wastes no time and G-Maxes Appleton, and Ash does the same for Pikachu. After exchanging three max turns to each other, both Pokemon return back to normal, and after a tough battle, 
Pikachu was able to beat Appleton, resulting in Ash winning his first PWC match. Milo congratulates Ash and tells him to not let his guard down, because there are other gym leaders in Gallard that want to surpass Leon too. Again, the damn foreshadowing. Anyway, because the next couple of PWC matches are against random trainers, I won't go into full detail on them. Except, Ash will rotate between using Pikachu, Gengar, and Dragonite for these battles. That way, nobody feels too biased. That's right, I'm talking about you, Pikachu. Of course, this leads to Ash obtaining his egg, which will hatch into Riolu. Eventually, Ash learns about a battle festival being held in Kalos, and decides to enter so he can increase his ranking. Since Riolu is still inexperienced, he doesn't bother using him, so he mostly uses his first three teammates. He then learns that his final opponent is none other than Karina, the fighting-type gym leader and a close friend of his. To add extra tension, the winner of this battle will advance to the Great Class. The battle will remain the same as it was in canon. A 2v2 with Ash using Gengar and Dragonite, while Karina uses Minxiao and Mega Lucario. Although, Ash will still have Riolu watch the battle to get inspired. You guys know what happens. Gengar briefly fights Minxiao but then gets quickly taken out by Lucario. Then Dragonite comes out and destroys both of Karina's Pokemon even when she tried Mega Evolving. With that said, Ash advances to the Great Class. But here comes my next major change, which involves Gary's reintroduction and Project Mew happening a lot sooner than it did in canon. You guys know this episode. Ash and Go visit Oak's lab to reunite with some of Ash's old Pokemon, and by some, I mean literally because they only showed off half his Pokemon for some reason, until they learn Infernape has gone missing and they meet up with Gary who agrees to help them. This leads to the trio in a raid battle against Moltres. The only difference is that Infernape puts up more of a fight, and Go's Cinderace will still be a rat boot during this time. Even though Moltres got away, Gary mostly needed a feather as requested by the Project Mew chasers, who, like Go, have the same goal of finding Mew. Go initially didn't want to join because he likes to fly solo, but endless taunting slash encouragement from Gary made him change his mind. For the record, I love the idea of Project Mew. I just don't like how late it was introduced. It's almost like the writers realized, oh shit, we're halfway done with the series, we need Go to do something. Basically, if Project Mew was introduced earlier, then it wouldn't feel as rushed in my opinion. Hell, even some of these filler slash research tax episodes could have easily been Project Mew missions. Or maybe that episode which involves Horus' introduction could also reveal that he was part of Project Mew as well. This will give Horus an excuse to appear more often like a true rival, unlike in the show where his return happens right the fuck out of nowhere. And while we're at it, Chloe catches her Eevee earlier, that way her development doesn't feel rushed as well. Yet, the one thing that stays consistent is Ash and Go going to Galar to watch a Master's Day battle between Leon and Raihan, with of course, Leon winning. By then, we'll get more interactions between Leon, Chairman Rose, and Sonya respectively. Leon will even mention how he watched Ash compete in the Kalos Battle Festival on TV, and congratulates him on making it to the Great Class. Having Leon be up to date with Ash's rankings would show how supportive he is. Before heading back to Kanto, Ash will catch his Galarian Farfetch, and Go will catch his Sobble. In Saffron City, Ash gets the chance to battle his first Great Class opponent, and it's against Galar's Fighting-type gym leader, B, who not only defeated the Dojo Master with ease, but also Karina. The battle will be the same with it being a 2v2, and Ash using his two fighting types, Farfetch and Riolu, while B uses Halucha and Graplog. As expected, B effortlessly defeats Ash, resulting in him getting knocked out of the Great Class, thus leaving him in a depressing state. I feel like having B kicking Ash out of the Great Class immediately will make his depression more justified. Unlike in the show where he was knocked out of the Great Class by some random ass person with no plot relevance! But thanks to encouragement from Go and his friends from Alola, Yes, they still visit Alola during these events. Ash gets his confidence back, which leads to my next major change, and that's HOW Ash gets back to the Great Class. During a trip to Galar, 
Ashinko meet Kabu, the Fire-type gym leader, who too is competing in the PWC. Kabu would also recognize Ash for winning the Alola League, and desires to battle him. I kinda hated how some of the Galar gym leaders got shafted in journeys, so having Ash battle one of them sounds like an interesting way to reach the Great Class again. Mind you that in the actual show, he gets back to the Great Class OFF-SCREEN! Yeah, that shit definitely needs to be changed. Plus, I feel like Kabu's burning passion and desire for battles could give Ash the extra motivation he needs. The battle will take place in Motorstoke Stadium, and it will be a 2v2 match. Since Riolu is still butthurt from his defeat, he'll refuse to battle. Instead, Ash goes with Pikachu and Dragonite, while Kabu goes with Sendiscorch and Torkoal. Things are pretty even for the most part, until Pikachu finally takes out Torkoal, leading to a battle between G-Max Pikachu and G-Max Sendiscorch. Sadly, Pikachu isn't quite used to battling in his G-Max form yet, so Sentascorch easily wins, but luckily, Dragonite was able to tank the rest of Sentascorch's moves and emerge victorious. This allowed Ash to make it back to the Great Class, and Riolu, who is watching by the way, rediscovers his battling passion. This leads to Ash having a rematch with B at the scene with Jim and Johto, with the battle happening exactly how it did in canon. Pikachu and Riolu fight B's Hitmontop and Grablock, which of course results in a tie. Ash and B then promise to have a rematch once they both reach the Ultra Class. One thing I would add though, is to have Go catch his Grookey around this time. Because again, Grookey's reveal happened right the fuck out of nowhere. Next we head back to Galar for the Darkest Day arc, and everything stays the same for the most part. Except Grookey's there, being a troll like always. <laughs> for real though, by the time we get to Ash vs Rose, Pikachu and Kaparacha will Gigantamax. Once again, Pikachu is outclassed when it comes to G-Max battles. But right before Rose could claim victory, Riolu evolves into Lucario and destroys both Kaparasha and Ferrothorn with these. And just like in canon, Go's Rapid evolves into Cinderace at the same time when he fights Oleana. With the Darkest Day behind us, certain events remain the same. Ash and Go get demolished by Mewtwo, Ash restores slash catches Draculfish, and Farfetch gain more development. There's a couple of things I would add though. First off, showcase more of Ash's battles during the Great Class. They won't be important battles or anything, but just little snippets of showing Ash progressing, unlike his major update off screen. I could see a battle taking place during that episode where Ash and Go attend a food store in Unova, with Ash defeating a random trainer with Dragonite, and that trainer will even say, Whoa, that Dragonite of yours is awesome! You could even get the champion to run for her money! Obviously, Ash will be confused by this, but we all know what I'm foreshadowing. Also, have Dracovish compete in at least one battle prior to the next trip to Unova, if you want to make it more personal, then have him fight Hodge again, the same guy Ash beat during the finals of the Food Cup. Hell, we might as well have Flannery return as well, considering that episode took place in Lava Ridge Town. Next, I would have that Zapdos episode occur, but this time it'll be a Project Mew mission with Horus. Sadly, they won't be able to beat Zapdos, but at least they complete their mission on figuring out the constant power failures. The first battle between Ash and Rinto, aka the guy with the Glade, would actually be a great class battle, with Ash losing, thus lowering his ranking. Don't worry, he's not dropping back to the normal class again, but it does motivate him to train Farfetch a lot more, hence why they trained over at Wickstrom's Castle of Chivalry. Eventually, they have their rematch against Rinto, and like in the show, Farfetch evolves into Surfetch and defeats Glade, boosting Ash's ranking. One more thing I would add is an early introduction of Marnie, Piers, and Team Yo. During a trip to Galar, Ash and Go visit Spike Month and get ambushed by Team Yo. Suddenly, their leader Piers, who, much like Kabu, would recognize Ash for being Alola's champion, and challenges him to a battle. It'll be a battle between two Galarian evolutions, those being Surfetch and Obstagoon respectively. The battle gets interrupted by Marnie, who challenges Ash to an official PWC battle. That way, she can show her brother how strong she got in. Also, whoever wins this battle will advance to the Ultra Class. 
It'll be a 2v2 battle with Ash using Surfetch and Gengar, while Marnie will use Lipard and her ace Grimmsnarl. Surfetch easily beats Lipard because of type advantage, but loses to Grimmsnarl. Gengar and Grimmsnarl then fight, resulting in a double knockout, meaning nobody wins. They soon promise to have a rematch once both of them reach the Ultra Class. Again, foreshadowing. Now it's time for Ash's PWC match against Iris, who, like in the show, has now become the new champion of Unova. The winner of this battle will advance to the Ultra Class and will stay the same with Ash using Dragonite and Dragonfish, while Iris uses her own Dragonite and newly evolved Haxorus. As expected, Ash wins and makes it to the Ultra Class. You're probably wondering, okay, if the Infernape episode happened already, what event will replace it? Well, how about an episode or two where Ash and Go travel with Johto and conduct research over at the Char Civic Valley? That's right, Ash brings back his Charizard for the special attacks, and they reunite with Liza and Claire. Hell, Ash and Claire could even have a battle for all time's sake. It won't be part of the PWC, but just a simple 1v1 battle, and it will be between Charizard and the shiny Dratigan, the same one Claire caught back in black and white. She might even mention Iris while we're at it, revealing that the two of them still keep in touch. Of course, Ash wins, showing us that Charizard is still OP after all these years. Maybe Lance can even make an appearance in this episode, because he was hardly shown at all during Journeys. Okay, that might be a bit much, but you get the idea. Anyway, Go Sabo evolves into Drizzile and eventually Intellion. Then we get that two-part Sinnoh episode involving Darkrai and Cresselia, which also featured Dawn's return and Chloe's interest in Pokemon contests. Around this time, Ash finds out that Cynthia is also part of the Master's Aid. Now it's time to talk about Ash's first Ultra Class battle, and just like in canon, his first opponent is Faulkner, Sinnoh's Electric-type Gym Leader. He's also the strongest Gym Leader in Sinnoh according to the public. Things will mostly be the same except for a few changes. First off, Ash will still bring back his Z-Ring, but like most important trainers, Faulkner is completely aware of Ash being the Alola Champion, which makes him more excited for their upcoming match. Flint, one of Sinnoh's Elite Four, will also appear and watch the battle alongside Go, much like how he watched Ash's gym battle alongside Brock and Dawn all the way back in Diamond and Pearl. Although, I feel like my last change will definitely raise some eyebrows. The Pokemon used for this battle will be the same for the most part, with Volkner using Luxray, Fan Rotom, and Electivire. However, Ash will instead use Pikachu, Gengar, and Dragonite. Yes, I decided to have Dragonite replace Lucario for this match. Don't worry, I have other plans for Lucario, but we'll take it one step at a time. Besides, this will kind of balance things out with Ash using 3 Pokemon from Kanto, while Volkner will of course use 3 Pokemon from Sinnoh. In a way, they're representing their home regions. Anyway, I can see Dragonite briefly fighting Luxray before getting switched out for Pikachu, but right before he can land any electric moves, Volkner switches out Luxray for Electivire, that way he can take advantage of his Motor Drive ability. With Pikachu getting weakened, Ash switches him out for Gengar, who deals heavy damage on Electivire. Volkner switches again into Fan Rotom, who defeats Gengar with the same Thunder Wave slash Hex combo like in the show. I know I criticized that moment, but you gotta admit, that was pretty badass. Luckily, Dragonite was able to tank the same combo without any problems, and defeats Rotom with a powerful Dragon Claw, then ties against Electivire. The final showdown is then between Pikachu and Luxray, where Pikachu whips out his Z-move, 10 million volt Thunderbolt, to defeat Luxray. This win allows Ash to rank 64 in the PWC, and we learn from Faulkner that Flint is also in the Master's 8. I'm pretty sure you can imagine Go's reaction when he finds out he was sitting next to a member of the Master's 8. <laughs> anyway, I feel like Pikachu using his Z-move against Luxray will make the ending less controversial. After all, Luxray is Faulkner's ace. Plus, Pikachu would get revenge after losing Luxray back in Diamond and Pearl. Another change I would make is that in the Ultra Class, you get scheduled your next opponent immediately. Ash learns his next opponent will be none other than B, and will take place in her gym at Stoneside. 
a few weeks from now, this leads to the next arc I came up with, the Mega Lucario Training Arc. Just like in the show, Ash heads over to Kalos so he can get Karina's help on Mega Evolving his Lucario. In the show, Ash and Lucario were able to Mega Evolve without problems. But, do you guys remember in X and Y when Karina's Lucario lost control every time it Mega Evolved? What if Ash's Lucario went through the same shit? This would have added more depth and development for Ash and Lucario. Like, are they ready to handle this new kind of power despite having a close bond? I could see Lucario losing to Karina's Lucario after a Mega Evolution battle, much like how Karina's Lucario lost to Gherkin's Lucario all the way back in X and Y. Of course, Ash is now worried because if he can't beat Karina's Lucario, then how the hell is he going to win against B who's even stronger than Karina? I feel like another person who can help out Ash is Alon, who not only reveals to be competing in the PWC, but also obtained a new Mega Ring and Keystone for his Charizard. Maybe it's just my X and Y favoritism speaking, but who better to help Ash with Mega Evolution than arguably his best Kalos rival? While training, Ash and Alon catch up on their latest accomplishments, Ash of course telling him that he's now the Alola Champion, but coincidentally, Alon is now the new champion of Kalos. Hell, we might even get a flashback of him defeating Diantha and hearing about the PWC. As much as I like Diantha, Alon is still aiming to become the strongest, so becoming the champion of his home region will help him get closer to achieving his goal. Besides, if I can imagine anyone from Kalos that could potentially overthrow Diantha, it would be Alon. After a few trial and errors mixed with practice battles with Alon, Lucario was finally able to calm down and master his mega form. In terms of rankings, Alon is currently ranked number 9 and is about to leave to head to the Hoenn region for a promotional match against one of the Masters 8. With that said, the two of them wish each other luck and Ash and Go head over to Galar. The third and final battle between Ash and B will mostly stay the same, especially when Karina and Leon show up to get both participants extra motivation. The battle itself will still be a 3v3 and they'll use the same Pokemon in canon. Of course, Ash will use Pikachu, Surfetch, and Mega Lucario, and B will use Scraplock, Kalucha, and G-Max Machamp. There's only two things I would change though. The most obvious one is having Surfetch get revenge by defeating Halucha, like he should've, then lose to Graplock afterwards. And during the final battle, when Lucario learns Steel Beam, he'll actually get rid of Reversal instead of Force Palm. I know, Reversal is arguably one of the best moves Lucario has, but I prefer something more conservative, and Force Palm fits that category. Either way, Lucario will still defeat Machamp and Ash wins, ranking number 36 in the PWC, and B finally gives Ash the respect he deserves. His next opponent is of course Marnie, but it won't happen for another few weeks. Until then, more Feller and Project Mew episodes will take place, including the episode where Ash and company could be in Opal's cake baking competition. I know, it happens before Ash vs. B, but just go with it. Except during the battle between Ash and Opal, Pikachu will actually turn to his G-Max form while fighting Al Creamy. The battle between the two G-Max Pokemon will end in a draw. I know, it kinda sucks, but hey, at least Pikachu is getting the hang of it. However, I'm about to do something that's probably gonna piss off a bunch of Diamond and Pearl fans, and that's getting rid of the Winter Special with Dialga and Palkia. Eric, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's supposed to promote the Sinnoh remakes! Yes, I'm aware of that. But one of my major problems with Journeys is how it oversaturates Gen 4, and to be honest, that two-part episode wasn't even that good in my opinion. Don't get me wrong, I love Dawn, but she already returned for those Darkrai episodes. So I'm gonna create a different two-part episode that'll feature a return of another companion. That being May. How would this play out though? Well, I'm going to have the mythical Pokemon Sarud be involved. Wait, is it Sarude or Sarud or whatever, I've only seen the movie once. <laughs> In part 1, Ash and Go head to Hoenn where they find out that a group of Sarud have migrated and are causing trouble in the Pelbrook Woods or whatever. Since they're venturing through a giant forest, Ash decides to bring back a past Pokemon of his that loves the forest and trees. That's right, Sceptile will be joining Ash and Go during this tax. 
Oh yeah, Chloe tags along too, and sure enough, they get separated. Fortunately, she meets May, who gives her more insight on what it's like being a coordinator. And just like Dawn, she went to every other region to compete in contests. This will be a more meaningful way for Chloe's Eevee to meet Glaceon, since meeting every evolution is kind of her thing. Meanwhile, Ash and Go encounter the Zeru pack and get challenged by the Alpha. Go tries to fight back with Cinderace but gets easily defeated despite having the type advantage. But thankfully, Sceptile is able to overpower Zerud like a badass. Suddenly, the battle gets interrupted by Elite Team Rocket members, Cassidy and Bitch, I mean Butch. <sighs> yeah, I know they left Team Rocket in canon, but in my version, they're still Team Rocket agents. This will lead to part 2 of this mini arc. It turns out, Team Rocket are kidnapping the Saru because they want to harness their healing powers for their own bidding. They already captured half of the population, and the rest escaped in Hoenn for Sanctuary. Ash and Go team up with the Alpha to rescue his pack, and an epic battle unfolds. Chloe and Mei eventually join in, and we get a nice reunion between Ash and Mei. During the battle, Mei reveals that her Blaziken has the power to Mega Evolve, which she used to defeat most of the Team Rocket grunts. Hell, why not include Steven Stone and Sawyer while we're at it? I'm sure they'd be interested to know why Sarut are invading Hoenn. And I know a lot of people want to see how much Sawyer has improved since the end of X and Y. And come on! You're telling me you don't want to see Sawyer's reaction when he finds out that Ash has a Sceptile of his own? Anyway, with their combined efforts, Team Rocket is defeated and are forced to retreat. The Zerud are then relocated to a private park where they can live peacefully, courtesy of Steven. Afterwards, we learn that Steven is indeed part of the Master's aid, and Sawyer continues to help him out with his research goals. So yeah, this pretty much means he's too busy to compete in the PWC. We also get some insight of what Max has been up to thanks to May. She might even mention Drew, Harley, and Soledad as well. With that said, everyone bids farewell, Sceptile returns to Oak's lab, and things resume as they would in canon. But for those who are wondering about the Legends Arceus 4-part episode, which features the return of Brock, don't worry, it'll still happen. And that's enough Sinnoh promotion I'm willing to include, at least for now. <laughs> anyway, during one of those fellow episodes, Ash watches a pre-recorded battle of one of Marnie's Ultra Class matches. Her latest one being against Nessa, but at this point, Marnie was shown to use G-Max Grimstraw during that battle, and defeats Nessa's G-Max Dreadnought. Obviously, Ash is still a noob when it comes to Dynamax, so he's nervous. Until Cerise told him that aside from Pikachu, Gengar is another one of his Pokemon that could potentially Gigantamax. This provokes Ash and Go to visit Galar and upgrade Gengar like they did in the show. The only thing I would add is a battle between Ash and Alistair, with both of them using G-Max Gengar. This will be Alistair's final test to see if Ash can handle the power of G-Max Gengar. I can see this battle either ending a draw or getting called off because Alistair has seen enough. Either way, Ash is ready to take on Marnie once again. This time, their battle will be a 3v3 instead of a 1v1. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in my version, every Ultra Class battle will be a 3v3. Seriously, why the fuck didn't they keep that rule? Anyway, the build-up will mostly be the same with Piers and Team Yell watching the battle alongside Go, as well as learn more about Marnie's motivations. As for the battle itself, we know Ash and Marnie will use G-Max Gengar and Grimstar respectively, but what about their other Pokemon? For Ash, it will be Surfetch and Dracofish, and for Marnie, Scrafty and Toxicroak, two Pokemon she uses in the games. Sorry for those who love more Petco. I can see Surfetch briefly fighting Scrafty before getting switched out for Dracofish, realizing how fucking OP that Pokemon is. Marnie switches out for Grimstar, who easily beats the Derpy Fish Dragon with super effective Fairy-type moves. Gengar and Grimmsnarl duke it out for a little bit, until Gengar revealed that he learned Sludge Bomb, which is trouble for Grimmsnarl. Marnie tried to be smart by switching back into Scrafty, but the joke's on her, because Gengar also learned Dazzling Gleam, a Fairy-type move that's four times effective on Scrafty. Needless to say, Scrafty gets fucked. Gengar then gets weakened from fighting Toxicroak, and gets switched out for Surfetch, 
After a tough battle, Toxicroak faints, but Surfetch eventually falls from poison damage. Think of it like that moment where he faints from exhaustion after being Mega Altario. The battle continues like it does in canon, with both Pokemon Gigantamaxing and Gengar eventually taking the win, resulting in Ash ranking number 15 in the PWC. Before we get to Ash's next opponent, I want to quickly bring up the Project Mew episode where Ash, Go, Gary, and Horus take on Articuno in a raid battle. The only thing I'll change is the outcome, with all four of them managing to beat Articuno. Well, at least Ash and Gary finish things off, because by then, Go and Horus will already be defeated. Plus, how cool would it be to see Ash defeat Articuno once again? This time with his OG rival. Also, during the episode where Ash meets up with Leon to do some... training, we'll see the latter take on a different opponent in a Masters 8 battle. Instead of Flint, it'll be Bruno from Kanto slash Shoto's Elite Four. I know, that sounds weird, but a lot of people want to see Bruno return the anime for a while. Plus, we need more Gen 1 and 2 representation aside from Lance. It won't be a long battle though. Just a simple 1v1 battle between Leon's Charizard and Bruno's Machamp, with Charizard of course being the winner. What, did you really think I would have Bruno use a shitty Pokemon like Onyx in a Masters 8 battle? Absolutely not. <laughs> we'll also get a brief reunion between Ash and Bruno before he goes off with Leon. Now, in canon, Ash's next Ultra-class opponent was Drasna, the Dragon-type user of the Kalos Elite 4. I really did enjoy that battle, especially the build-up, but this leads to my next major change. His next opponent in the Ultra class will instead be Wallace, the Water-type gym leader, and former champion of Hoenn, who's ranked number 10. Granted, Ash did battle Wallace in the same episode Serena made her grand return, but it was completely sidetracked which annoyed me. Except, it'll be a two-part episode. In part 1, we get to see Chloe compete in the contest while also meet Alicia and Serena. The only change is that Ash and Go will actually watch the contest this time. And, we get a more meaningful reunion between Ash and Serena. In part 2, the gang arrive at Satopolis City for Ash's upcoming battle, with Serena tagging along just like the good old days. It's also revealed that Wallace was part of the Master's Aid, until a surprisingly powerful trainer defeated him and took his spot. <coughs> this will get the battle extra tension because Ash is not only facing a former champion, but a former member of the Master's Aid. As expected, the battle will be a 3v3 with Ash going in with Pikachu, Lucario, and Dragofish, and Wallace will use Milotic, Swampert, and Sharpedo, three Pokemon from his team in Black 2 and White 2. I could see Wallace giving Ash a run for his money during the battle, especially when you realize Stracklefish can't swim, despite being a water type. I know, the irony speaks for itself. Things get real crazy when Pikachu and Milotic end up tying with each other. The fact that Pikachu couldn't beat this Milotic without taking himself out would really accentuate the power this Milotic has compared to Wands or Lucy's. Don't worry, Lucario was able to give Ash the upper hand by knocking out Sharpedo. However, right before Sharpedo can faint, he sets up a rain dance, which is the perfect setup for Swampert. That's right, Wallace isn't using a normal Swampert, but Mega Swampert for this battle. Ash tries to counter this by Mega Evolving Lucario, but thanks to Mega Swampert having the Swift Swim ability, Mega Lucario gets easily overwhelmed and eventually defeated, leaving only Dragofish left. After a tough battle, Dragofish becomes the victor and Ash ranks number 9 in the PWC. Immediately afterwards, he finds out he'll be facing off against Raihan in the Master's Day promotional match. Ash and company bid farewell to Serena and return home. You know, there was one episode I forgot to mention when I was writing the script. And that's the infamous episode where Go catches Suicune. Yes, it still happens in my version. But instead of catching it with a FUCKING POKEBALL and trying to release it afterwards, Suicune will instead choose to have Go catch it as a token of gratitude. And just like in the show, 
Suicune won't stay at Cerise's lab, but continue to roam around the world. This will lead to an interesting episode that will happen sometime before the promotion match, which involves Yuzine. You know, the guy from the Johto games who's obsessed with catching Suicune, who of course appeared in the original series many years ago. You expect me to believe that the guy who legit spent his whole life trying to catch Suicune is going to be okay with Go catching it? Of course not! This episode will take place in Johto, obviously. With Ash and Go meeting up with Yuzine, who needs their help to find Suicune, Go tries to explain that he already caught Suicune, but he obviously doesn't believe him. Until, Yuzine tries to catch Suicune for himself, only to find out that Go wasn't bullshitting. Outraged by this, Eugene challenges Go to a battle in order to prove his worth to Suicune. Despite Go not being the best battler, he does manage to win and Eugene accepts his defeat. I'd imagine he'll say something like, I can see why Suicune shows you as his trainer. Forgive me for acting envious. Anyway, before the big promotional match, Ash and Go head over to Galar for more training until they meet up with Raihan, who challenges Ash to a quick battle. You know, to see if he's worthy of facing Leon. Ash was originally going to use Dragonite for this battle, but Lucario volunteers instead, hoping he would redeem himself for his lackluster fight against Swampert. Unfortunately, Jeruladon kept overpowering Lucario during the battle, making him more frustrated. So frustrated in fact that he refused to Mega Evolve and started attacking on his own. Jeruladon then swiftly defeats Lucario, much to Ash's horror. I can also picture Raihan saying something like, So this is the Alola champion that Leon has been talking about? What a joke! It was at that moment, Ash realized that he and Lucario are no longer in sync. So he heads back to Kalos to reunite with Clement and Bonnie, who agrees to help Ash train for his upcoming battle. This will be very similar to how Clement trained Ash and Greninja before the Kalos League. While training, Clement reveals that he has ownership over the same Ampharos that belonged to his dad. And on top of that, Ampharos can Mega Evolve. Hey, if they can give Misty and Brock Mega Pokemon, then why not do the same thing for Clement? After all, Mega Evolution is part of his home region, even though his training did work for the most part. Lucario is still acting stubborn, so Ash decides to seek help from the Pokemon he arguably has the deepest bond with. That's right, this will transition to the return of Naruto Frog. The episode will play out exactly the same, except Clement and Bonnie tag along. We'll even get a reunion between Bonnie and Squishy, aka Zygarde. Thanks to Greninja, Ash and Lucario were able to rekindle their bond and bid farewells to Clement and Bonnie as they get ready for their upcoming battle. Ash vs. Raihan will stay the same for the most part including Ash switching mechanics during the battle. And of course, the added tension that this is the final battle of the season, meaning it's Ash's one and only chance to make it to the Master's Aid. I just want to make a few changes though. For instance, the battle will start off between Lucario and Jeruladon, with this time Lucario overpowering the Iron Dragon thing. So much so that Raihan decides to switch out and starts overwhelming Lucario with Flygon and his Sandstorm tactic. Ash switches out Lucario for Gengar, who uses G-Max for him to swallow the Sandstorm and defeat Flygon like in the show. Except in my version, G-Max Gengar falls to Gudra instead of having them tie. I know, it's bullshit, but let me explain. Having G-Max Gengar lose instead would show us that all of Raihan's Pokemon are strong enough to defeat G-Max Pokemon, even if that said Pokemon isn't his ace. We then have a pseudo-legendary showdown between Dragonite and Gudra, with Dragonite of course winning. Sadly, he gets knocked out by Geruldon afterwards. The ending will be the same with G-Max Geruldon getting demolished by Lucario's Spear Bomb-like Aura Sphere, and Ash makes it to the Master's 8. With that said, it's time to recap the Master's 8 members and the rankings. At number 8, we have Ash, the Alola Champion. At number 7, Iris, the new champion of Unova. Number 6, Alon, the new champion of Kalos. Number 5, Valens, the strongest member of Sinnoh's Elite 4. Number 4, 
Steven, the champion of Hoenn. Number three, Lance, the champion of both Kanto and Johto. Number two, Cynthia, the champion of Sinnoh. And of course, number one, Leon, the current monarch and champion of Gower. It really annoyed me how Flynn was revealed to be in the Master's Eight, then kicking him out literally nine episodes later. Come on, that's very disrespectful. Yeah, he's not a champion, but in Diamond and Pearl, he was shown to be very powerful, almost defeating Cynthia during the series finale. I'm just saying, they really treated Flint dirty, and he deserves to stay. Also, I swapped rankings with Steven and Lance because I find it a little weird how Lance, who is the champion of two regions, isn't among the top three strongest trainers. No offense to my boy Steven. Before the tournament, we do get to see the reunion between Moan and his family. Ash returned to Alola to celebrate his Master's Day accomplishment, and the ending to both Project Mew and Chloe's arc respectively. Instead of making Chloe even more indecisive, why not give her a Dynamax band discovered that her Eevee can Gigantamax? This will give her some inspiration to stay in Galar and become an apprentice to Professor Sonia. As for Go and Project Mew, one thing I would add is to have Brandon, aka the Pyramid King, make an appearance. Think about it, Brandon is the only known trainer to own all three original Reggies, so there's no way in hell he wouldn't be interested in catching the new Reggies. I also love to see a reunion between him and Ash. However, instead of having the Project Mew mission take place on Faraway Island, it should take place at the Crown Tundra. Immediately after the mission with Reggie Drago and Reggie Alecki, a Dynamax Reggie Gigas emerges from a giant power spot and is wreaking havoc on the Tundra. Honestly, what was the fucking point of featuring Dynamax Reggie Gigas if Go and the others weren't going to face it? Once again, I'm fixing a problem that this series has. Imagine Ash, Go, Gary, Horace, Donica, Quillen, and even Brandon all teaming up in a massive raid battle against Dynamax Regigigas. That would have been a much better way to end all Project Mew instead of having Mew show up and wreck everyone. Speaking of which, Go and the others do manage to beat Regigigas, but afterwards, Mew appears in the palm of Go's hand, revealing that he's been watching Go this whole time. He still won't catch Mew, but at least he knows that Mew is now his friend. Also, I would add a mini arc where Ash and Go head to the Isle of Armor to meet Mustard, Leon's mentor. Even though Ash made it to the Master's Aid, Pikachu hasn't had any luck with his G-Max form unlike Gengar, so this 2 or 3 part episode will be about Pikachu finally mastering his G-Max form, and who better to help him out than the guy who personally trained Leon. Oh yeah, Mustard also reveals to Go that the reason why Donika and Quillen both have Urshifu is because he gave each of them a Kupfu years ago. Who knows, maybe he'll be nice enough to give Go a Kupfu. Afterwards, we get the iconic episode where Paul and all of Ash's Pokemon from Oak's Lab train him and his current team for the Master's Aid tournament. The only thing I would add is more details to what Paul's been up to. I know Professor Oak mentioned that he's been invited to be a gym leader, but they never specified where and in what region, though it's heavily implied that it's somewhere in Kanto. To compensate, I think Paul should be the new Viridian City gym leader. Think about it, the only gym leader that's known for using different Pokemon types is Blue, who is obviously Gary's game counterpart. But, since Gary's busy being a Pokemon researcher, Paul seems like the best choice to take over at the Viridian Gym, and it makes a lot of sense. Because A, Paul was once a rival, and B, he likes to use a variety of different Pokemon. For those who watch the AG series, you would know that Agatha, one of Kanto's Elite Four, was the temporary gym leader of Viridian City, until they find a suitable replacement. I can honestly picture Paul being able to feed Agatha and taking over as the gym leader. If that's the case, then that would mean that Paul is now on the same level as an Elite Four member, which would explain how he was able to quickly catch up to Ash during their training battle. Speaking of which, I'm also going by the anime's decision by having Ash only use his current Journeys team for the tournament. I know. Eric, the same guy who kept saying, oh, Ash used some of his past Pokemon more often, is not changing that? Believe me, 
I was thinking about it, but then I realized his journey's team feels very underdeveloped, so having them be the ones to compete will prove that their achievements throughout the PWC wasn't just for show, and having them act as students to Ash's older Pokemon tells us that those Pokemon have all served their purposes, and they want the newbies to have their moments. Very controversial, I know. But hey, if it's any consolation, I did have some of them return for an episode or two, so they're not completely worthless. Oh yeah, in my version of this episode, Ash's fire types will teach Gengar Fire Punch instead of Will-O-Whips. Sorry, but I think Fire Punch is much more viable. Anyway, the Master's Day Tournament will serve as the final arc in Pokemon Journeys, like it should've. It'll begin with Ash, Go, and Chloe arrive at Windham, but are then stopped by a boy in his Wooloo, who challenged Ash to a battle. Ash of course agrees, but Go and Chloe remind him that he'll miss the opening ceremony if he battles now. So the gang leaves, much to the boy's annoyance. In the locker room, Ash reunites with all the Masters 8 finalists, except for Leon, saying that he's looking forward to bowing each and every one of them, which is definitely something Ash would say. The opening ceremony begins like in canon, but right before the matchups get revealed, someone interrupts the ceremony. The same boy who challenged Ash to a battle earlier. If you couldn't already tell, this boy is none other than Hop. Leon's younger brother, who once again challenges Ash to a battle, this time with high stakes. If Ash loses, he'll be forced to give up his Master's Egg rank to Hop. Despite these unorthodox events, Leon convinced the officials to allow it because he can see the passion in his brother, and Ash agrees too because of course he does. This will be a 1v1 with Ash using Pikachu and Hop using Corviknight. Despite Pikachu having the type advantage, Corviknight proved to be no pushover. Soon enough, both Ash and Hop Gigantamax are partners, with Pikachu emerging victorious, thus securing a spot in the top 8. After the battle, Hop breaks down to tears as he explains that all he wanted to do was make it to the Master's 8 and prove to everyone he's strong like his brother. Leon walks over to Hop and tells him how proud he is, and to see how far he came, and more importantly, never letting his passion die out. Even the crowd starts cheering for Hop, which boosted his self-esteem. Afterwards, he apologized to Ash for his outburst and decides to watch the tournament alongside Go and Chloe. I feel like this would have given Hop a much more meaningful introduction, seeing as how it's completely shafted for most of the series. Plus, this battle will be a way to show the other champions that Ash isn't a pushover, and as an added bonus, this will be a reference to the Sword and Shield games where B interrupt the Champions Cup before it started. Speaking of B, I tried to think of a way to incorporate him in Pokemon Journeys, but sadly couldn't think of anything. But if you guys have any ideas, feel free to let me know on our Discord server. With that said, the Master's Day Tournament can finally begin. My version will mostly be the same with each battle being 3v3s, though the matchups will be a little bit different. For round 1, we have Ash vs. Alon, Lance vs. Steven, Iris vs. Cynthia, and by process of elimination, Leon vs. Flint. Alon vs. Leon was a fucking train wreck of a battle, let's be real. Seriously, fuck that battle! It's trash! At the same time, it does kinda suck that Ash wasn't going to get revenge over Alon, so this is my way of giving people what they want. If you ignore the fact that Greninja isn't here, but it'll make more sense when I explain. Also, I can picture the announcer saying some shit like, Oh, these two trainers fought in the finals of the Lumios conference some time ago, and now we see them duke it out once more. You know, more X and Y continuity. Or I should say, controversial continuity. <laughs> Plus, I feel like Flint and Leon should have had a battle that lasted more than 20 seconds. Anyway, let's break down each fight starting with Ash vs. Alon. For teams, Ash will use Lucario... Dragonite, and Dracofish, and Alon will use Chestnut, Tyranitar, and Charizard. The battle will start off between Dracofish and Chestnut, with both of them being evenly matched, but once Chestnut starts getting the upper hand, Ash recalls Dracofish for Dragonite, who makes quick work at Chestnut. Dragonite and Tyranitar duke it out for a while, which ends up becoming a double knockout, 
Dragovich comes back out but ends up falling Charizard despite having the type advantage, leading up to the final showdown between Mega Lucario and Mega Charizard X. And after a tough battle, Lucario will take the win, allowing Ash to advance to the semifinals. I know, it's insulting to not have Greninja return defeating Alon's Mega Charizard, but think about it like this. Greninja basically trained Lucario to be a successor, so why not have the student surpass the teacher and do what the teacher couldn't do? If anything, there'll be a scene where Greninja was able to send Lucario's victory all the way from Kalos, just like in the Raihan battle. Next up, we have Lance vs. Steven. For their teams, I can see Lance going in with Dragonite, Shiny Gyarados, and Salamence. And for Steven, Skarmory, Armalto, and Shiny Metagross. Nothing personal against Hydragon, but I think it'll be funny to see Lance use a mono flying type team like he did in the original Gen 2 games. Plus, Salamence is not only a Pokemon he used in future games, but it can be a reference to his epic, yet random return in the Advanced Generation series. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Lance did catch a Salamence while venturing through Hoenn. Anyway, the battle starts off between Salamence and Armalto. Both Pokemon will be evenly matched, so I can see them having a tie. Next, we have an air battle between Skarmory and Dragonite, with the latter emerging victorious. Lance recalls Dragonite, and we get an epic shiny Pokemon duel between Gyarados and Metagross. Despite their best efforts, Gyarados falls to Metagross, leaving Lance with only Dragonite left. And just like in the show, he'll Dynamax his Dragonite. Steven will counter by obviously Mega Evolving his Metagross. It'll be a close battle, but I can see Metagross taking the win, proving once again that Mega Evolution is better than Dynamax, obviously. <laughs> with that said, Steven makes it to the semifinals, and we get our next matchup. Iris vs. Cynthia. The battle will be exactly the same as canon, so we'll actually move on to the final matchup. Leon vs. Flames. In terms of teams, Leon will use Charizard, Seismitoad, and Rillaboom, and Flint will use Infernape, Magmortar, and Heat Rotom. I know, it's basically the same as Faulkner's team, but it works given how close those two are. The first matchup is between Seismitoad and Magmortar. Even though Magmortar tries to get the upper hand by using Sunny Day and Solar Beam, Seismitoad will still win because of the type advantage. However, he falls to Rotom after getting hit by a Will-O-Wisp and Hex combo, a la Volkner. Leon then starts acting ballsy by sending out Rillaboom against Rotom, and manages to beat Rotom after Gigantamaxing and using Max Quake. But Eric, Rotom is immune to Ground-type moves! Yes, but here's the neat thing. Before Seismitoad fainted, it used Gastro Acid, a move that can disable any abilities, which means Rotom is no longer has Levitate and is vulnerable to Ground-type moves. That goes to show how smart Leon can be at times. But right before his G-Max form can end, Infernape comes down and defeats it. I feel like this would be a good way to showcase how strong Flint has gotten, by having his ace take down a G-Max Pokemon. I know, Rillaboom's not even Leon's ace and he had a type advantage, but still. The battle then comes down to Charizard versus Infernape, and things start to heat up when Flint pulls out his Z-Ring and the Fire Emblem Z-Crystal. It's revealed that Flint was inspired to use a Z-Move after watching Ash use one during his battle against Volkner. Sadly for Flint, Inferno Overdrive isn't enough to take down Charizard, and Leon wins, as expected. It's now time for the semifinals, and right before that, Delia, Professor Oak, and even Brock show up to watch the rest of the tournament alongside Go, Chloe, and Hop. One major thing I'll change is that for the semifinals, the battles will still be 3v3s. That way it's more straightforward and no time feels wasted. <coughs> Leon vs. Diantha. <coughs> The first semi-final matchup is between Ash and Steven. Even though I love their battle in the show, I can't help but make a few changes. For example, since Ash already used half his journey's team against Alon, it makes sense for him to use the other half, Pikachu, Gengar, and Surfetch, and Steven will use the same Pokemon he used in canon, which are Shiny Metagross, Agron, and Kraydilly. 
The battle starts off between Pikachu and Metagross, with the latter easily having the upper hand. Ash then switched out Pikachu for Gengar, who deals heavy damage to Metagross, prompting Steven to switch out into Kratidili. The duel will play out very similar to how it does in the show, except the outcome would be different. And by that I mean, Gengar will actually defeat Kratidili, but then sadly falls to Aggron, who let's be real, went down a little bit too easily. Surfetch will come out and defeat Aggron, but then gets bodied by Metagross after Steven Mega evolves it. Ash then decides to use Pikachu's Z-Move, 10 million volt Thunderbolt, which had enough power to weaken Metagross and claim victory with an Iron Tail, just like in the show. That being said, Ash makes it to the finals and we move on to Leon vs. Cynthia, a battle I was almost certain was going to happen. Don't get me wrong, I love seeing Ash battle Cynthia, but throughout the anime, Cynthia was shown to be invincible for the most part, so having her battle and lose to Leon would accentuate Leon's power. I kinda spoiled the ending, but who cares? We all knew Leon was gonna win anyway. Still, if Leon and Cynthia actually did battle, which Pokemon would they use? I could see Leon going in with Charizard, Dragapult, and Mr. Rhyme, and Cynthia will use Garchomp, Kamoho, and Roserade. The battle will start off between Dragapult and Kamoho. I could see Kamoho using Clangorous Souls to raise his stats, followed by Outrage, but Dragapult is able to outmaneuver Kamoho and defeat it with the same Willow Whips and Hex combo that Flint used on him earlier. Again, showing how versatile Leon can be. Cynthia then sends out Roserade next, who is able to beat Dragapult, but has trouble fighting Leon's next Pokemon, Mr. Rhyme. I can see Mr. Rhyme defeating Roserade using the same Freeze Dry, Psychic Terrain, and Expanding Force combo he used on Ash's Gengar. With no other option, Cynthia sends out Garchomp, who is able to beat Mr. Rhyme despite having the 4 times Ice weakness. This leads to the final battle, Charizard vs. Garchomp, with Cynthia Mega Evolving her Garchomp and Leon Gigantamaxing his Charizard. It'll be a close battle, but Leon will come out on top, advancing to the finals. Now it's time for the final battle of the whole tournament, Ash vs. Leon. A battle that was hinted since the very beginning, at least in my version. But right before the battle, we get a surprise visit by Mustard, who came all the way down to Winden to watch his two pupils face off. Of course, I'm making a full 66 battle, with Ash using his Journeys team. Meanwhile, Leon will use the same 5 Pokemon he used throughout the tournament, plus Aegislash, because you know, Sword and Shield, and just like in canon, Leon will make the proposal to have Ash use all three gimmicks in this battle. Like I said before, the idea does sound very gimmicky, but it does give the battle its own sense of identity. However, I'll be handling the matchups very differently. The battle starts off between Pikachu and Aegislash. Unlike Sawyer's Aegislash, Leon's is much more menacing, forcing Ash to switch into Gengar. The two Ghost Eyes battled out for a while, but Aegislash still had the upper hand. This caused Ash to use his first gimmick, Gigantamax. That being said, G-Max Gengar is able to beat Aegislash after landing a G-Max Terror and Max Flare. Sadly, Gengar falls to Mr. Rhyme like he does in canon. We then get the Gen 8 Evolution duel between Surfetch and Mr. Rhyme. The only difference is that after Surfetch gets the upper hand, Mr. Rhyme sets up a Reflect and Leon switched him out for Dragapult. And thanks to Reflect, none of Surfetch's physical moves will be nearly as effective and goes down from a combination of Lock-On and Dragon Rush. Leon switches out Dragapult for Seismitoad, and we get a Water-type duel between him and Dracofish. Even though Seismitoad did have the winning edge because of Rain Dance and having Swift Swim for an ability, he still lost after Dracofish unleashed his vague yet awesome lightning power. Unfortunately, Dracofish falls to Rillaboom next, who used a Grassy Terrain and Grassy Slide combo. Ash then brings out Lucario, who couldn't keep up with Rillaboom's power, so much so that Ash decides to use his next gimmick, which of course, is Mega Evolution. After dealing some damage, Leon recalls Rillaboom and sends out Mr. Rhyme, who tries to pull up another Reflect, 
but Lucario lands a bullet punch that's so powerful it was able to shatter Reflect and defeat Mr. Rhyme. It's the anime, just go with it. Dragon Ball comes back out and briefly sustains Lucario with his Curse Body ability. So we switched out Lucario for Dragonite, who takes out Dragon Ball with the same badass way he did in the show. With Leon having two Pokemon left, he sends out his ace, Charizard, who easily defeats Dragonite, then has to take on Lucario. Without hesitating, Leon Gigantamaxes Charizard, this of course being a reference to the fourth opening where we see Mega Lucario take on G-Max Charizard. However, during his second Dynamax turn, Lucario's giant Aura Sphere gets overpowered by G-Max Wildfire and goes down, leaving only Pikachu left. Ash and Pikachu then decide to use their Z-Move once again, which had enough power to block G-Max Wildfire. Of course, like in the show, Eternatus arrives and restores both their Dynamax bands, allowing them to use Dynamax once more. Leon takes advantage of this by switching out Charizard and Gigantamax's Rillaboom, and Ash of course Gigantamaxing Pikachu, who is able to paralyze Rillaboom with G-Max Volt Crash, then proceeds to take it out with a Max Steel Spike before he can land a Max Quake. Pikachu reverts back to normal, and Leon sends out Charizard. The showdown will play off exactly how it did in canon, right down from the animation and Shonen Jump analogies. After a long and intense battle, Charizard falls, and Ash is declared the winner. The stadium erupts in cheers as a new monarch has been decided. We also get reactions from all of Ash's friends and rivals who've been watching. Leon congratulates Ash for his victory and a huge celebration unfolds. Until, out of nowhere, Go challenges Ash to a battle. It'll be a simple 1v1 battle with both of them using their aces, Lucario and Cinderace. Think of it as a reference to both the third opening and Hop's final battle at the end of the Sword and Shield games. Even though Ash is obviously the better battler, Go has memorized all of Ash's tactics, making him a worthy opponent. They then decide finishing things off with their gimmicks. Lucario Mega Evolves, while Cinderace G-Maxes. Despite Go's best efforts, G-Max Cinderace falls to Mega Lucario. Afterwards, Ash and Go return home where everyone at Cerise's lab is hosting a big party for our two heroes. The ending will be the same in canon. Lugia appears once more for one more raid battle. Ash and Go leave Cerise's lab and go their separate ways. All leading up to the 11 episode miniseries, which I might talk about in the future. And that's how I would write Pokemon Journeys. Obviously, it's too late for any of these changes to happen, and like I keep saying, I liked Pokemon Journeys. I just know it could have been handled better. Who knows? Maybe I'll do the same thing for the rest of the Pokemon series. I know Black and White is in desperate need for a rewrite, but I don't want to make any promises, because this episode is not only my longest solo, but it took months to prepare for. <laughs> anyway, what changes will you make to Pokemon Journeys? Feel free to share them in our Discord server, and follow us on Instagram, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to listen to us on all major listening platforms, such as Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you prefer. Check us out on Twitch at EmanTheLegendary, which is me, as well as my YouTube channel under the same name, Keith at NuclearBacons, Nick at CryptoLock Games, and of course, Tyler at Carabyte. Also, tell your friends and family about us, especially any Pokemon fans you know. Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.